I love it. I love it. Hey, welcome back. Week two of our series in the I Am's of Jesus. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I need you to turn your Bibles to John chapter eight. Okay. The book of John, open up your apps, open up your Bible to the book of John chapter eight. Okay. And while you do that, I have a question. Is anyone here afraid of the dark? Yeah. Some of you were like, oh, and they're like, oh, see, I, I have to admit something. I'm not necessarily afraid of the dark, but, but I'm afraid of a certain type of darkness. And I've shared with this many times before. Okay. Uh, you can turn off the lights. I'm cool. You know, we can go into a room that's extra, extra dark. That's cool, whatever. But the thing that I'm scared of the most that's dark is the ocean. Okay. I cannot fathom the idea of being in a, like in some submarine in pitch black in water like that, that freaks me out. That's like a certain type of darkness because there's different types of darkness. Okay. And that type of darkness freaks me out. Okay. It's just not, it's not fun for me. You know, last week, you know, we spoke about Jesus being the bread of life, how our soul, right? Cries out in hunger for the bread of life that is given in Jesus, right? That our soul craves that it desires a savior, right? That's found in the bread of life. But the question is that I'm asking today is where is it coming from? Where are those cries coming from? Where, where, where is it coming from? And the answer is simple. It cries out from the darkness that is inside of us and all around us. Okay. You see, we were all born with one thing that separates us from God. Anybody know what that is? Sin. Good job. Yes. So sin, that one thing, the darkness that consumes us is sin that separates us from God. Sin keeps us in the dark. Sin grows in the dark. Sin thrives in the dark. But Jesus is the one person who refuses to leave us in the dark. And we're in John chapter eight and we pick up the story where Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. And this is during a feast called the Feast of the Tabernacles, very important feast. This is right after uh, the story that you may have heard of Jesus riding in the sand. You know, there, there are people who, are, or who bring a woman before him who was caught doing some sketchy things with, with uh, another man that wasn't her husband. And they want to, to throw stones at her and kill her. And Jesus says, you who, who's, who hasn't sinned, cast the first stone. And it doesn't happen, right? Because they all know, well, we've all sinned, right? And and so Jesus then goes back to teaching in the temple courts. And we're going to sit on just one verse today, John chapter eight, verse 12. And it simply is, it says this, Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay. I'll read that again. Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Okay. One thing that we need to recognize plain and simple right away is that Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Okay. Light first and foremost. What is it? Right. Uh, What's the opposite of darkness, right? Jesus is not just talking about the literal light as in, as in like a flashlight or like these lights here. Uh, but he, in fact, is talking about the spiritual contrasts, okay, of light and dark, right? Good and evil, right? 
dark, light, good, evil, black, white, okay? Like, like contrasting things, right, that don't belong together. And my hope is that when we leave here tonight that we can remember three reasons why Jesus claiming to be the light of the world is so important. Okay, we're talking about the I am's of Jesus, right? We're talking about how the fact is when Jesus claims to be something, everyone is shocked. Everyone is either upset or confused or challenging the claims that Jesus is making, right? Last week, Jesus claimed to be the bread of life. We talked about that and how the, the phrase I am is literally such a holy phrase that nobody is allowed to say, right? Because it literally is saying like God, but they created words like Yahweh or Jehovah so that, so that they can describe God because saying I am is too holy for anyone to talk about. But here Jesus is claiming to be the light, specifically the light of the world, right? And again, why is light so important? What does it do? For some of us, it's as simple as, well, light lets me look at things differently, right? Like if, if I walk into a dark room, like the light helps me see, right? Maybe uh, the light helps you read at night, right? Or maybe when you go to a stoplight, it helps you to decide whether to stop, to go, or to slow down. So there's important things that light does, but again, we're talking about spiritually here and how Jesus is referencing himself now as light of the entire world. So what does light do, though, spiritually speaking? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, and I don't have it in, in anywhere here, just so you guys know, I don't have it anywhere back there. That's my fault. Number one, the light exposes our sin. The light exposes our sin. What? It is up there. I just lied. I just sinned. No. The light exposes our sin. Okay. So the worst things for me happen in the dark, plain and simple. Uh, there was a time when me and my wife were, were watching a movie and it's really, you know, it's dark. Like, every, like it's really dark. It's one of those nights. It's just dark. You can't see anything, but you can see the TV. And all of a sudden I feel something crawling up my neck. Okay. And let me tell you, I, I consider myself like, I don't, I don't really freak out for things. I, I try to like, be like, I'm gonna protect my wife. Like I'm the man of the house. Like nothing's gonna scare me, right? I try to be that guy, but I don't care who you are. If you feel something just crawling up anywhere, you're gonna freak out. And I freaked out. First of all, it was dark. The movie that we were watching had a dark scene. So it was even darker. I couldn't see anything. And so what do I do? I freak out because there's something on my neck and I go whack. But here's the thing. My wife is right next to me. And so I go whop. And like in the moment I hit my wife first and she goes, ah, right? And then boom, I hit my neck and I reach and it's my wife's hair. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, baby. I did not mean to hurt you. I, I just was scared because I thought it was a, a roach or a spider. I mean, maybe if it bit me, I could start flinging webs or something. But like, it wasn't. It was her hair and I got freaked out. She was just trying to love me. But in reality, I, I thought it was something else. And it was so dark and I couldn't see what it was. And if I would have just turned on the lights 
and, so, and look for something, I would have realized, oh, there was nothing there. It was just my, my wife's hair that was there that was up my neck. But I freaked out. And in the process, I hurt her. I hurt myself because I hit my neck too hard. And I hurt my, my dog and, and scaring him because he was like, what's happening? Why did he just hit my mom, right? Like, like I, but if I would have just turned on the light, I would have known that it wasn't anything serious. You see, when we turn on the light, we can see things that are distracting us or hurting us. And once we shed light on those things, we can now prepare ourselves to fight it. It's not fun. It's not necessarily exciting, but we all have sin that is creeping up our necks. Sin that is all around us that we can't necessarily see because we're blinded by other things. And what we need is ultimately to shed light on that sin to expose it. Because while it was just a piece of hair, what if it was a spider? What if it was, I don't know, a scorpion or something? Poisonous, that something so small that could have just, right? And inserted poison. It could have been that, it wasn't. But spiritually speaking, if we shed light in our areas, I guarantee you, we will expose some sin. And most of that sin grows in the dark, as I mentioned earlier. Most of that sin happens at one, two in the morning. When we're in a dark room. We know no one's here, right? We're, si- we're, we're alone. Flip on the phone, turn on a computer. We know everyone's asleep. Go out the door, right? That's where sin wants to creep up. But we need to shed light on that sin to expose it. Because if we don't, it will consume us. It will destroy us. It will distract us from the giver of life himself that is Jesus. Jesus came to help us reveal that sin that's in our lives so that we could be prepared to fight it and not let it consume us. Number two, the light brings life. The light brings life. Jesus promises this because he, Jesus promises that the fact that because he is the light, we will not walk in darkness, but actually have life. Okay, verse 12, it's all in verse 12. So Jesus claiming, I am the light of the world. Light was a very important symbol for the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember, this is happening during the Feast of Tabernacles. So during the feast, many emblems and ceremonies uh, remembered the pillar of fire that gave light to Israel during the Exodus. So when um, Israel, during the Exodus, when Israel is traveling and going towards the promised land, there was always a fire that was lit, right, to guide them. And, and, you know, it was kind of viewed as this idea of protecting them and whatnot. And God would always prepare a fire for them. And so the fire was extremely important during this uh, festival, this Feast of Tabernacles. But here's what's interesting, okay? Jesus took this important symbol of light and he applied it to himself, claiming that he is the light of the world. So during this ceremony, during this Feast of Tabernacles, and you know, the light is extremely important. And he claims, hey, he's like, point, I can see him pointing at this light and says, I'm the light of the world. I mean, this was great. God provided fire, whatever light during your exodus, but I'm providing light to the entire world. I'm providing life to the entire world. But I'm not just talking about life in the sense of 
death to resurrection, right? Last week we talked about bread of life, Jesus giving us life. But I'm talking about life that's active. You see, when you have a fire, when you, when you light a spark, it starts the fire, right? But then the fire continues to grow and you use that fire for certain things. And right now, most of us who have surrendered their lives to Jesus have already been saved, have received the bread of life, but now we're gaining light in the, in the idea of life that's active. We're not just saved and that's it. No, we're, we're to produce things. We're supposed, we're supposed to fight the good fight, as Paul calls us to do, right? In the New Testament, Paul says, you got to fight the good fight, finish the race. We're at a race right now. And so he's given us life through the light to fight light that is to push forward and pursue the calling that he has on our lives. He gives us that type of life, an active life. And lastly, the light brings hope. The light brings hope. Interestingly enough, he says that he's the light of the world, that you won't walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of life. But here's, here's the little uh, caveat or the little um, thing that we need to, to recognize here. Who does this promise belong to? It says, I am the light of the world. For who? For anyone who follows me. Anyone who follows me. There is a requirement to receive this light of the world. It's not just, I mean, it's given freely, but you choose to receive that light in surrendering your life to him and deciding to follow him. Some of us are wondering why we can't seem to just, man, we can't seem to get rid of this sin. We can't seem to, to just find joy. We can't seem to just, I don't know, be okay with ourselves. And it's because simply we haven't, chosen to surrender the lives to the one who will sustain us in that, to the one who's going to give us peace through that, to the one who is the light that sheds light on that darkness and removes it, but is asking us to follow him in the process. You desire this, then you choose to follow him. It's plain and simple for all those who follow me. I have some grapes here. Hannah, they're actually yours. Your mom gave them to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot the orange. I was going to bring an orange, but this will work. So where does this come from? Anybody know? A vine. Okay, sure. Where, where else does it come from? The ground. Okay, soil. What else has to happen? Water. The sun. You can water it, you can plant it, but ultimately, and I just Googled this earlier, this needs to be in the sun seven to eight hours a day. And without the sun shedding light onto the vine, we won't have fruit. We won't produce fruit. See, a lot of us have maybe planted the seed, maybe have been watering it through reading scripture, but, but we haven't shed light on the areas that need to be exposed. We will not bear fruit unless the sun 
sheds light onto that so that it could grow and bear fruit. Jesus is the light of the world. He, he brings hope through that. The light brings hope. Because when we plant a seed, we don't just assume that it's going to grow. We hope that the sun is going to shine light on this seed and that it will grow. And, in, and instead of watering the plants with water, let's look at this as a life. Jesus, sub substitute the water for Jesus' blood, man. And as Jesus' blood pours down on us, we continue to grow. We're first of all given life and we continue to grow through the process of sanctification. That's a really big word. Sanctification means the process of becoming more like Jesus, the process of becoming more holy. And as Jesus is watering us in his blood, as he's watered us in his blood, we now have life to produce fruit so that we can go and be a beacon of hope to the world. We will know that we are growing when we are bearing fruit. The challenge that we have for us is that we won't just receive Jesus, that we don't just proclaim to the world that we've received Jesus, but that we proclaim to the world that they can also receive Jesus, that they have a hope that is found in him. And that's our challenge for us. This year, uh, I didn't mention it last week, but, but this semester we have one goal. We have one goal, is that we would have 60 God conversations that our students, that you all, work as a team, as a ministry, and say, okay, if all of us just did one God conversation with someone who doesn't know Jesus or someone who's on the fence, we would reach our goal. And our prayer would be that through that, we would see more people come to know Jesus. And we would see more people here getting baptized just like Jude, declaring to the world that they have surrendered to life. And that we would see this room filled with more students bearing fruit, going out and reminding people that Jesus is the light of the world, that the light is meant to shed light onto our sin, expose our sin, that the light is meant uh, to give us life and the light is meant to bring hope to the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And maybe you haven't made that decision today. Maybe you, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And, and my prayer is that you would ask us, you would ask your leader as we go into group time about what that means, what it looks like to surrender to the light of the world. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to come together this evening. I pray ultimately, Jesus, that the light would expose some sin tonight, that we would be vulnerable in our groups, that we would repent and believe in the good news of Jesus, that we would see more people come to know you. We would see more people come to be baptized. We'd see our students move and be the light into the world as you've called them to be, that we would bring hope to the world by your power. I pray, Jesus, that you would ignite something here today as we've celebrated the baptism of our brother Jude as as we've celebrated others coming to know you, Jesus, and as we rejoice in that, we pray that we'd see more come to do that for your glory and your glory alone. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name that we pray, and we all said, amen.